Hello, and welcome to Faculty Feed with me, Dr. Jerry Rabelais, Associate Vice President of Professional and Educational Development at the University of Louisville's Health Sciences Center. With me are my co-hosts, Dr. Stacy Sainer, Director of HSC Professional and Educational Development, and Dr. Laura Weingartner, Director of Research for Health Professions Education. Once a week, we'll come together and use this podcast to bring professional and educational development content to feed your hunger and satisfy your appetite so you can magnify your impact as an educator, clinician, researcher, and academic leader. Well, welcome to Faculty Feed, everyone. I am very excited. Today's guest, we have Dr. David Johnson. He is an assistant professor in the School of Public Health and Information Sciences, and he's in the Department of Health Management and System Sciences. So welcome, David. Yeah, thanks for having me. Let's start out. Tell us a little bit about your backstory and uh, how did you get here to UofL? I'm a Louisville native. UofL was kind of a natural default for me. I am actually a three-time graduate from the University of Louisville. I was reflecting on it just the other week and I realized that I think at this point I've spent more time of my life at UofL than not at UofL. (laughs) Uh, So three degrees later, um, undergraduate degree in anthropology, uh, then came back for a master's in public health uh, 2008 and then uh, you know kind of immediately launched into a PhD effort after that and little did I know I was going to make a home for myself That's um, right. post-graduation. I asked you to come join us so that you could talk about critical thinking. How do you define critical thinking? I'm a big fan of Richard Feynman's quote, try not to fool yourself because you're the easiest person to fool, uh, or paraphrasing <laughs> and something like that. I appreciate this this idea of Um, a framework, an approach to thinking and thinking about one's thinking that would try and, you know, pierce the veil, uh, if you will, of believing things that aren't true or that aren't accurate. And when we can, you know, practice thinking about our thinking and being deliberate about our thinking, um, we can avoid biases and embarrassing situations and (laughs) a number of other things. So it applies to every discipline, then this is not a uniquely medical or public health skill. Uh, engineers need critical thinking and anthropologists need critical thinking and on and on, right? Absolutely. No, um, critical thinking is, is very interdisciplinary. Um, you know, it's a, it's a skill set that I have really leaned into developing in, um, you know, public health students, particularly undergraduate public health students. Um, because I truly believe that it's one of the best tools in the toolbox for public health practitioners. So when you started to get into or started to think more about critical thinking in the, in the way that you were teaching, is it because you found a gap that you needed to fill or is it just something that you knew was important? Interestingly enough, so when we were developing the public health undergraduate program, that was two QEP cycles ago, so two quality enhancement plan cycles ago. And the university-wide plan for um, improving graduation and retention at the time was the integration of this critical thinking framework across the board. And so as a new program, we took this framework, this Paul Elder model for critical thinking, and tried to you know, think about, consider how to incorporate it into specific courses, into specific assessments, into specific evaluation strategies deliberately because of kind of that university-wide effort to promote critical thinking. 
Um, so we did see that there was a need um, based upon kind of university uh, efforts. Um, but then also the more I got into the practice and pedagogies of critical thinking, I did realize that there was um, some gaps um, in terms of uh, you know, well-established evidence-based um, assessments, uh, rubrics, etc. Was it just this year you won one of the Till Teaching Innovation Awards, right? So first, congratulations. That's fantastic. From what I recall, you developed some type of rubric for critical thinking. And so if I have it right, the, the rubric, you called it the Intellectual Standards Rubric for Critical Thinking. Can you just explain what it is and how it works? Sure. The, um, the Till Innovation Award, the proposal itself was actually the culmination of years of work. Um, you know, uh, integrating critical thinking into assessment and evaluation within our public health undergrad program, developing these different pedagogies. Um, and so the intellectual standards for, uh, rubric for critical thinking was um, published in uh, Pedagogy and Health Promotion in February of 2022. And, uh, but we did have another article published in the same journal in 2019. So that other article was um, kind of referencing this assignment, um, this assessment strategy called a scenario analysis that adapted a different part of the Paul Elder model. And the uh, Intellectual Standards Rubric for Critical Thinking, or ISRIC, I've never actually been able to say it. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a hard acronym. You can, yeah, yeah. We, we, didn't, we weren't able to get really creative <laughs> okay. and um, think yeah. about that one acronym. What is going to catch fire? It's the evaluation strategy that we evaluate scenario analyses and other activities that are um, built upon um, these critical thinking standards. So is this something that could be applied? Is it general? It is. It is. And so that was really one of the gaps in the literature that I saw. Lots of different rubrics for critical thinking, but something that is both generalizable and formative uh, was something that was missing. And so you can have uh, critical thinking rubrics that are designed for specific assignments or that are designed uh, as just one culminating summative activity. Um, but I could not find something that was generalizable uh, to different activities um, and different disciplines and something that was summative such that it could be used at different intervals over time and then students can develop skills over time based upon feedback. So David, many of our listeners um, are HSC faculty uh, in medicine, dentistry, nursing, nurse practitioners, and they're generally making decisions and thinking at individual patient levels as opposed to system levels. So how does ISRIC apply to those faculty? Those faculty are developing their students, right, who are going to be clinicians, who are going to be working with individual patients. So ISRIC will evaluate uh, somebody's ability to demonstrate things like clarity or accuracy or relevance, significance, completeness. And so these intellectual standards, um, according to the Paul Elder model, um, must be applied to uh, the elements of thought, 
if you will, to develop things called intellectual traits. Uh, intellectual traits, thinking about ideas like intellectual humility, being able to admit when one's thinking is wrong, or in, intellectual autonomy, being able to think for oneself. If you think about, you know, how does it apply to different faculty, you know, I would hope that potentially the development of those intellectual traits um, in their students would, you know, ultimately result in better practitioners. These are skills that are being developed. And so the regular, deliberate practice of, you know, demonstrating clarity and being accurate and relevant in your statements and thoughts. Um, so is this, is this rubric something that assesses someone's ability to do critical thinking, or is it a template or framework within which you do critical thinking? It measures aspects of a student's response, reflection, that are related to critical thinking. So it's an assessment tool then? It is an assessment tool. Okay, all right. Yeah. And so that, that's really the key, right, is that you can give me a, a written artifact, if you will, just maybe like a personal reflection. Uh, and then I can evaluate that based upon any number of rubrics. If you were to use the ISRIC, I would take your personal reflection and say, how is clarity demonstrated in this? How is accuracy demonstrated in this, uh, or completeness logic. Um, and the idea is actually that each one of those intellectual standards can be evaluated independently of one another. Okay. So you can be clear, but of low you know, significance in what you're saying. By developing a generalizable rubric, you can take whatever the artifact is that you take from your learner, being a resident or a student or whomever, and you can evaluate that on the terms of what accuracy or uh, the depth or whatever those elements are. And, and you can say, oh, this particular student, they definitely have, have the depth of, of the information here, but man, it's not very clear. There's no clarity. And so we are always looking for ways to evaluate, to see are our learners improving in their critical thinking, clinical reasoning skills. The whole thing of critical thinking for most of us, those who don't think deeply about critical thinking like you do, is it's this big box. And how do you know if it's good or not is, has been a difficult thing. It's all in the eye of the beholder. And it becomes, well, I, I think Laura's a great critical thinker. Why, why is that? I don't know. I just, I, I know it in my being that Laura's a great critical thinker. Because I know it when I see it. Yeah. Right. And, and so what you've done is you've provided a, a finer tool for making that assessment where Laura's good at these aspects, but maybe could improve in these aspects of critical thinking. That's the actionable item for me to go to Laura and say, Laura, you as learner, Boy, you're really good at one, two, three, but number four, number six, wow, here's where I think you can improve. So is that the purpose of this so we can then as faculty use that, maybe not only to help just the learners, but to help ourselves be better at critical thinking? Because I suspect most of our faculty at our four HSC schools would have great difficulty defining the pieces that make up critical thinking, it's very subjective. It's, well, I know it when I see it. That's all. This person, this student thinks very clearly. And, and that's good enough for me. 
how much work is this? I think that's what, that's what they're going to ask. Is this something that takes an hour to go through this process, or is this a five-minute thing? So I guess it depends. Um, you know, the ISRICT is, you know, intended to be generalizable and, um, you know, formative, if you will. So um, the cool thing about this is that you can, and this is what we do in those scenario analyses, the scenario analysis has different components of the assignment. And for each one of those components of the assignment, I can evaluate clarity, accuracy, relevance, significance, completeness, and logic independently mm -hmm. of those other elements. Or you could just evaluate clarity, accuracy, relevance, completeness, significance, and logic of the whole thing. Okay. So it is more granular. Um, to your point about giving granular feedback, insight to students about what they're doing well and can improve upon. Um, but it's also kind of up to you as the instructor evaluator in terms of how granular you want to get within a single assessment. So when you say formative, I just want to clarify for the audience, you're talking about formative feedback, Correct. where it's an assessment for learning as opposed to the summative, which is the assessment of learning. So exactly. you could use your tool in both ways, it sounds like. It, yes. So it sounds like maybe that's why you won the award. Because it <laughs> sounds like it's incredibly useful, right? Summative, formative, um, very granular, providing like you shine a spotlight into critical thinking so you see it better, so you'll know what parts of it need to be improved. What are students' reactions to this kind of feedback? The rubric itself, um, which we've, it's, it's very detailed. Um, if you go back to the journal article, um, providing even rubric analogies. So how do you think about, you know, depth? You know, are you, you know, kind of ankle deep in the water or are you like over your head, right? And so um, I think students, you know, tend to appreciate that. Also, if you have a teaching assistant, um, that kind of helps synchronize some of the um, evaluation and expectations. But I think students in general appreciate this, um, you know, uh, more granular insight into uh, what they're doing and, and what they can improve upon. Um, I think that the rubric itself also, um, if you want to get, you know, one level deeper, is um, there is the ability to wait specific standards more than others. So I know from you know conversations with colleagues, for instance, that one of the criticisms might be that uh, you know if you spend all of your time you know evaluating things like clarity and accuracy, like what about the substance? What about the substantive response? And you know my argument, my my rebuttal, if you will, is that well, why don't you just weight, completeness, and significance, and potentially logic um, more heavily than you do some of these other standards. So really, um, it provides you the opportunity to um, kind of lean into what you want to see your students demonstrate. You know, we're in the process of developing a feedback workshop because the either absence of or the low quality of feedback is a common complaint among our learners, especially in residency and fellowship programs, where they just, they don't know what to work on. So the comments they get are, well, you should read more, uh, stand taller on rounds. I mean, it's just, it's stuff that like, 
how's this going to help me be doctor, nurse, dentist, whatever? And and so one of the things that we're, we're building a scenario that's an unfolding scenario for this workshop we're preparing for as a way to sort of wade into this thing. And one of the components is a technical skill feedback. One of them's a professionalism feedback. And one is about critical thinking. Exactly. We, we're struggling with, okay, how do we help faculty be better at giving actionable feedback to residents in, for example, this next workshop's in a neonatal intensive care unit setting, to residents who are taking care of very sick newborn babies, and the faculty are caring for the babies and having to teach and provide this kind of feedback to their learners in a way that they can continue to grow and develop these skills. And we want to emphasize critical thinking. How do you take this and make this something that clinician educators can use in the real world of seeing patients with learners in tow? When you go back to the rubric and you're looking at some of the evaluation criteria, each level of that, that ordinal scale has kind of a definition of what is the difference between a four and a five? What's the difference between a four and a two? Uh, and if you can be objective, um, you know, in using the tool, uh, and so you kind of eliminate a little bit of the subjectivity, but then offer some feedback is related to, well, you scored a three here, but I really feel like if you had done, you know, X, Y, and Z, that would have improved your demonstration of these different intellectual standards. So that's what I tend to do as I use it in my courses, is that I provide the rubric, the assessment, the score, but then particularly early on in the semester, additional feedback related to this is how I'm reading it and this is how I think you can improve. And again, if you do it over the course of a semester, it does become a formative activity. You provided more um, you know, feedback on the front end, uh, assisting their, hopefully, uh, steady improvement over the course of the semester. So how are you planning to use the ISRIT coming up? Like what, what are your future plans? Well, so um, I've had the really good fortune to work with some incredibly talented instructional designers here at the University of Louisville. Um, one of the co-authors on this most recent paper, uh, shout out to Robin Zarn. Um, and we have worked together to um, incorporate this rubric into um, specific courses that uh, using some of the tools that Blackboard has available for it, now measuring their competency development with specific intellectual standards over the course of an entire semester. So you can pull that for a, these, these rubric reports, if you will, um, that are specific to students, to sp specific to uh, an assessment type. And so, you know, we would like to do more, um, you know, longitudinal analysis, um, you know, maybe following the same student through multiple courses, um, you know, and um, working toward that. So you know, this, uh, this recent publication with the ISRIC was actually the um, paper number two of a three-paper series we had um, in mind many, many years ago. And um, what I would like to do now is look a little more closely at uh, intellectual traits. 
Um, and, you know, and I think this would be really powerful for your evaluation of clinicians as well, because, you know, what you really want is for, um, you know, people to have, you know, sound judgment and intellectual humility and being able to think for oneself. Always ask our guests to challenge our listeners to do something the next week after they hear this podcast. So what would you challenge them to do? My one challenge uh, that I would suggest for any listener is to go back uh, to a course you teach, to an assignment you offer, and look at the rubric. And ask yourself, does that rubric measure what you want to develop in your students? David Johnson, thank you so much for joining us here on Faculty Feed, and uh, we may have a some other reasons to bring you back soon because I have lots to talk about. So thank you. It's a yeah, thanks, David. Thank you. If you want to up your game or enhance your skills in the academic setting, this is the place to be. As together, we strive to make the University of Louisville a great place to learn, a great place to work, and a great place to discover and connect. Don't forget to check out the show notes for links and additional resources about today's episode. And feel free to contact us at facfeed at louisville.edu. That's F-A-C-F-E-E-D at louisville.edu. Join us next time for more and Come Hungry.